Is your floor so ugly the dog refuses to walk on it? Is it so ugly your mother-in-law won't come to visit? Do you lock the door so people can't see it? Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy and I hate ugly floors. We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio floor and in a couple of days turn it into a work of art. Stop living with ugly. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's We Do Epoxy at 859-582-7920. We are Trisden and Ray. Having lived and spent time on the coasts and in rural Appalachia, we feel like we have a unique perspective on most topics. Working to find the common sense middle in a country becoming more and more polarized. Welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. What's up, Ray? Hello, Trisden. Good to see you. Sort of. <laughs> That's usually the reaction I get when people see me. Eh, sort of good to see you. So, you, you may be my dad with that reaction, actually. No, I don't mean that. I mean, we are once again remote. <laughs> yeah. We just get keep getting kicked out of studios man indeed you know what we've really got to stop starting fires in our studio i think i think that would yeah but that could be it yeah if if you see me doing this trying to see my tooth i had a uh, so i'm getting an implant and i was in the dentist chair at noon today and he did a, a healing cap i think that's what it's called so if you're a dentist maybe that means something to you it meant very little to me i did ask him what it was and even after he explained it i still didn't really understand because i'm not a dentist but it's a little sore and I think a little bloody. So I feel like I'm swallowing a little bit of my own blood, which is always kind of gross, you know? Yeah, it's it's no fun to, to drink anybody's blood, but even your own. How it, blood has a very distinct taste and smell, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very metallic, right? Yes, I, that's fair. Metallic. Yeah. Okay, that'd be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I did, I did notice you... Um, looking at your tooth there but uh and today kind of cool this is going to be our first ever zoom show and the reason is is because i just tend to have the worst luck with our other platform that we've been using which is expensive and much fancier but for whatever reason my computer rejects it rejects it and explodes so we're going to try zoom to see if it's a little better and then maybe this will be our go-to uh like off-site source for for these types of shows okay that's fine yeah. Hey, would that make, I wonder, if, would that then make, back to the blood and taste, would that make Dracula a metalhead? Oh, yeah, very, not bad. Very well might be something to that. And so, yeah, so our, our normal studio sponsor, Dads, is doing some renovating where we normally record the show. So hopefully uh, he's going to have another spot for us uh, for the next show. So hopefully this is a very temporary situation and we'll be right back uh in, in a new studio you remember the time gosh it's almost we're at this now more than two years better than 100 shows you remember the time we met early on down at troy's and we were locked out oh yeah i do remember that <laughs> and we were thinking it might have been like the third show and we were thinking right? oh this ain't this ain't gonna work this ain't gonna fly uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> and never did get in Right. No, I think like we messaged Troy and he was like on vacation. And like, yes, that's what right. I told that's you. Right. We were, I was going to be on vacation. That's was, like, what it was. That's what it did. was. Yeah. So we just. And like, that was a, I, I love that little studio. We haven't been out of Berea yet, but but uh, that was yeah. a great little studio. It was a good little spot. And of course, I think the thing that made it extra nice was that Troy was there with us 
in-person yes. sort of yes. uh, regulating everything too, which was walking a, us through. That's exactly right. Tristan. A great benefit. So yeah. So and, of course, so, and Troy still does everything for us, but uh, you know, now he does it remotely. So I do miss seeing Troy. Yes. And that was a lot of fun. He, but he did leave us on our own and we've still done a hundred shows, which is proof that miracles can happen. Yeah. And uh, no, <laughs> no limit to the amount of uh, conversation like old white guys can have. Right. No, there is none at all. Speaking of all white guys, did you watch the debate? You know what? I think I watched every minute. I certainly watched 99.9% of it. So, yeah, I was I was pretty invested. How about you? Yeah, I watched I watched the entire 2 hours. Um it's obvious that Donald Trump runs that party even when he's not in the room. Yeah. Now, I'll take a little shot at the Fox moderators. I think that you know, when you have a guy who's leading literally 2 to 1 over his next opponent, you can't wait till the second hour and then throw eight or nine minutes in. I think that has to lead. You have to get the opinions. You have to, but you know, Fox knows their audience. The people didn't want to hear any negative Trump. The people in that audience wanted no negative Trump provable by the fact that Chris Christie, my homie from New Jersey, literally had his fat ass booed at a, (laughs) at a damn Republican presidential debate, which is, you know, and Brett Baer, the one of the two moderators had to turn and sort of admonish the audience. Right. Yeah. Like it it looked like uh, for a minute, they were literally not going to let Chris Christie finish his thoughts, even, which is a very, you know, and that's the kind of thing that those same people want to throw at the liberal colleges. They they don't want to let our right speak kind of right. And so that, that excellent kind of point goes back to what I say that this stuff is on both sides. People just want they want their bubble filled with what they want to hear. They don't want to look at the other side. They don't want that quote unquote fake news or things that disagree with their already made up mind. So yeah, I thought, Boy, I thought that's that a- was pretty interesting. That's a fantastic point, Trizen. I didn't even think about that. But that is what, you know, that's the uh, the snowflakes on the left that can't have anybody say anything that disagrees with them. Well, assholes, do you see what you did last night? You literally right. booed Christie's fat ass almost off the stage to the point where the moderator had to step in and say, please, people, shut the fuck up. Right. And again, this is not you know joe biden or hunter biden on that stage saying this no this is one of them like this is a lifetime republican a republican governor who just you know seems to have a very real point of view on what's going on with donald trump and you know he's been he's friends with donald trump this guy is not trying to of course he's trying to win an election and of course their opponents but this is not a guy that you know is out for blood with donald trump he seems to be giving a pretty fair reasonable account of what's going on with the man yes and there, there you just can't have that there is you know and that's where you know with apologies to all the MAGA folks including my right-wing sister in jersey that is where it starts to look like a cult yeah it's ugly and and i think guys like you and me will will certainly sit back and say we don't like when colleges won't allow comedians to come you know give a performance like somebody extra woke we don't want to hear your point of view get out of here mindset and and it, it goes back uh to that as well like you know it's um it, it's hard to watch it's hard to watch people that are so closed-minded on either side that they're not even open to having a conversation and that's what this should all be about having a good right. conversation right especially again when trump is leading his next 
closest competitor two to one you can't pretend that he is not in the room with you he is in the room and that should to me that should have been addressed right from the jump but what did you think so you watched virtually all of it what what were your impressions and takeaways oh man well i could give you some basic takeaways and then i also wrote down here on a list every candidate and so i'd like to go through and get individual thoughts on everybody so if you want some general thoughts, I can give you that. And then we can just sort of roll down the list and sort of see what we both thought and see what we agreed on and disagreed on. I think. Well, I'll tell you what, I can make it, I can make it a little bit easier for you. We can, we can narrow it from eight to six because both Asa Hutchinson and Doug Ber Bergman, uh, former governors of Arkansas and North Dakota, I believe he may, Bergman may still be the governor of North Dakota. Seem like very nice men Pass the neighbor test. They ain't going nowhere. So let's eliminate the two of them. And and then we, that leaves, that leaves us with six others. Well, I tell you what, Ray, if I did not have hot takes on, uh, on Asa and Bergman, I would completely agree, but I would like to make a point on both of those sure. guys too. Um, you know, and we can get to it through the course of the conversation, or I can just say, um, First of all, the thing that caught my attention the most is just how much debates have changed due to Trump. Like in the last presidential election campaign cycle, it seemed like when Donald Trump was debating Joe Biden, it became this very loud. I'm not going to let you talk. I'm just going to interrupt you and I'm just going to scream louder than you are. And I'm just going to keep making my points over and over. And it's sort of the whole stage a little bit, maybe not everybody, but a lot of that stage sort of turned into that Donald Trump. I'm going to be louder. I'm going to answer the question I want to answer. We're not going to talk about what I don't want to talk about. And just the sort of the change in tone of a of a, what I would think of as a gentlemanly or gentlewomanly debate has sort of changed. It's definitely becoming much more vitriolic and angry. And I'm not going to let you talk if I don't want to let you talk. So that was like the very first thing that kind of caught my attention. It was like, man, you know, even in a, you know, even where everybody's kind of on the same side, there's, there's, there was a lot of Trumpism there on the stage. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, both my cousin and my brother would probably say to you, well, that's been Buzz's whole life. That's a whole, that's the only way he could ducks himself <laughs> to which i would say f both you guys but uh no i i think that's a great point i mean debates you know i, I like the bit of contention i like the back sure. and forth but you know um when it when it stretches beyond you know polite disagreement then yeah you sort of begin to have a problem yeah and and i think your point is that trump has kicked the door down on that trump never gave a fuck about politeness manners etiquette so now following suit they sort of do the same. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it seems to be that kind of race to look more like a reality TV star that, you know, and to kind of get these hot takes and be louder than, and like, I'm the alpha male, I'm the more aggressive, louder speaker, you know, kind of more so than I'm going to make really good, thoughtful points. And we're going to have a discussion, which, right. you know, as a, as a lip tart, I kind of miss that. I miss hearing the smart, you know, answers to good questions and being reasonable. And so I, I didn't hear as much of that as I would have liked to, but again, the stage was kind of full. There was what, seven people on, on the stage or eight. whatever, eight on eight. stage. So, yeah. so it's going to be a little packed and everybody's trying to, you know, fight to get a word in. So I get that side of it too, but uh, you know what, we can start with the basically unmentionables uh, Bergam and Hutchinson. If you want, I, my thoughts on Bergam, first of all, I saw, an interview, I think it was on Meet the Press, but it was on one of the Sunday shows this week. I'm not sure if you caught that. Yeah, it was this, on Meet the Press. Yeah. yeah, so this dude would not answer any questions no. about any policy. And I thought, you know, you're polling at 1%. 
you've got to say something to get somebody's attention. So I was fascinated by his strategy of, I'm not telling you how I feel about anything. And right. it kind of stretched into to the debate. He was like, I, you know, basically made it very clear that he wasn't going to give a strong opinion on anything. What did you think? I think that's a great point. He was very noncommittal. Again, seems like a very nice man. I'm sure he's done a fine job in North Dakota. Uh, apparently very successful business-wise. But, yeah, I mean, there was no reason to I, – I don't mean to be harsh, but there's really no reason to have him back for a second debate. Yeah, he, he gave literally nothing. And by a lot of accounts, he's one of those guys that I would think maybe uh, somebody close to the middle might be able to say, okay, you know, he's not a bad candidate. So I'm kind of disappointed at his complete lack of being willing to, you know, kind of stay where he stands on anything. So, yes. you know, and maybe that is all part of a strategy that later on helps eliminate some people and then maybe he has an opinion. But yeah, so I just was completely unimpressed with that aspect of of his campaign thus far. That's fair critique. Um, Asa Hutchinson also, I would put him in kind of the non-crazy camp, right? Like he's seen sure. he's a bit not anti-Trump, but he's a bit let's hold people accountable. Which right. Used to be how Americans thought of, you know, crime and punishment. Uh, until Especially was, Republicans, you know, Republicans would always talk about we're the party of, you know, justice and we're the party of, uh, you know, the uh, I don't want to say police state, but, you know, we're the party of law and order. We're the law and order party. Well, really? OK. Yeah. That's it, changed. Yeah. <laughs> agreed. And and so and those are the two guys that you basically said are completely irrelevant. And, and I could see myself voting for either one of those guys. Okay. Given, given well, the cool. right circumstances. Yeah. You know, I would like to see a bit more from Doug, but, you know, they both seem to fit that, you know, we're not calling Democrats lizard people and kind of a bit more reasonable maybe than the far right end of the state. I, well, I'd, yes, I'd say that's definitely so. My, my comment was more, uh, you know, they're literally on. So they set those up um, by poll numbers, frankly, which is why you had DeSantis um and pence and uh ramaswamy in the middle there because they're polling better obviously trump would be dead center um and then as you go outward those are the people that are polling least so they're each polling at i think you had to poll at one percent to get in and i think they're both at about one percent and neither of them are really catching any fire so that was that was my my point was more that they're not going to wind up being the nominee. You know, no disrespect to either of them. They've had storied careers. And Asa Hutchinson's been around forever. As he said, you know, DEA head, um, governor of the state, uh, congressman for a long time. And he has sort of moderated his positions. You know, he's a Southern man from Arkansas. It's a very conservative state. He's proud of his bona fides. Is that it? As, you know, anti-abortion and, and you know, pro-law and order. But yes, seems like a very reasonable individual. Yeah. So at least from the center left side of the aisle, you certainly would like a guy like that over a, you know, Fair. somebody that's no, more, that, that's a great point. I would agree with that point. I would concur on that. Absolutely. So next up, uh, I'll, what did you think of Tim Scott? What did you think of Scott's performance? And again, it's tough to really critique. It feels like there was a lot of people on the stage and minimal time, but what was well, your I think Tim Scott is a very nice man. He's been a he's got a wonderful backstory to tell, um, you know, a, a black conservative uh, in the Republican Party. Here's my thought on Tim Scott. 
He's probably too nice. You, you know, you're dealing with people who have a lot of grievance, Tristan. You and I talk about it all the time when we're talking about MAGA people. They got a lot of hate in them. I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry, Tony. There's a lot of fucking hate that comes from that side. And I'm not saying it's even personal animosity, though sometimes it veers down that path. But they hate every institution institution in america everything is wrong you hear some of the draconian statements coming from those people last night i mean you had ramaswamy say it's not morning in america it's draconian in america really you know i wasn't the i was coming of age when reagan was coming to prominence so i am very um familiar with president reagan um i'm 20 when he's elected and you're 20 and you don't know shit and you're idealistic and you know he's a conservative guy so just by natural instinct you have to be opposed to him but god bless ronald reagan if nothing he was a very very optimistic individual these motherfuckers are not optimistic they're like the, the america's needs to be you know burn the village down to rebuild it and i don't think tim scott has enough of that in him he's a nice man but he doesn't appeal to these people that hate that he just doesn't and again when i say hate i don't mean they hate you for your skin color or me for my uh nationality or or sexuality or religion what they hate is america's institutions maga has 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 their cottage industry now as led by trump is that everything in america is wrong and it just needs to be disassembled and this fucking guy vivek is talking about disassembling the fbi and disassembling the irs and disassembling the, the you know uh uh labor and uh, uh education you know i mean come on really we're just we're at that place now everything needs to be burned down so i, I think tim scott doesn't have enough of that in him to appeal to the the people that want to hear that shit yeah and i think what you're going to run into and i would agree with every single thing you just said about tim scott but then doesn't the problem sort of start to become somebody like tim scott is probably electable nationally Somebody like Tim Scott would probably uh, certainly either win or compete pretty darn well nationally in a Joe Biden versus Tim Scott election, but he's not MAGA or wacky enough to get the base. So what's the base going to do when they realize that none of these people who want to blow our country up is is going to win nationally, you know, pending some crazy thing that Joe Biden was actually, you know, trying to blackmail China with Hunter Biden or, you know, pending something absolutely well, insane, you know, a MAGA person, it's going to be tough to be to, to win nationally. So when does the party decide, look, Tim Scott's looking pretty fucking good compared to somebody that doesn't believe in, you know, the basic systems in, in which our country runs? Well, leaving Tim Scott out of it, I think that most even MAGA people, crazy though they may be, realize the incredible struggle, the incredible lift that it will be to get Donald Trump back in the Oval Office because 58 percent of Americans have said they can't vote for the man. So they're banking on two things, Tristan. They're banking on a viable third party, RFK Jr. or whoever else to take. You know, people forget there's a scary part about Trump. Say, well, 58 percent of Americans won't vote for him. Bill Clinton was elected in 1992 with 42% of the country voting for him. George Bush got 39%. Ross Perot, 19%. Now, I don't think there's any third party out there that can get anything close to 19%, but if they peel off 3 4 5%, and the other part of it, Tristan, is 
they see that crack where we have to make Joe drooling an adult. We have to make Joe drooling an adult, and they have not stopped. They started in 2019, despite all evidence to the contrary, despite the fact that he's been a very competent executive, despite the fact that he's our uh, standing around the world is so much better than it was when Trump was in. NATO is a powerful force not to be fucked with. He brought China, he, I'm sorry, he brought Japan and South Korea together last week to give China a little bit of a middle finger think about what you do before you do it. I mean, he's been a very competent executive. Does not make a difference to the Fox MAGA consortium. Their goal is to tell you every minute of every day that Joe is falling asleep in his soup and he's dribbling. You know, he's just completely out of it. It's what my sister sends every minute. And that strategy is because they know Trump's unelectable, but you just have to make Biden look so bad that somebody will actually say, Oh, God damn, that guy is just not able to stand up. Um, so I'm just going to vote for Trump, hold my nose and vote for Trump. Yeah. And, and I think the the part of that is a lot of people hear a lot of this, uh, that talking point, and they do start to think, man, 82 is pretty old. So I think even the people that understand, like, he's fine now, like, he's OK. Like, again, the people in the middle that don't completely follow politics, they're like, yeah, you know, Joe Biden, we're not in a world war you know, most everything's okay. Yeah. The inflation's rough, but COVID sucked. And there's a lot of things that, you know, are kind of uh, peeling back after the couple of years we sort of spent in half lockdown. But again, the country didn't explode. We're not falling apart. Like it's fine under Joe Biden. But the, again, there is a section of the middle that will say, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty old. So I definitely feel like them beating that dead horse certainly doesn't hurt anything, you know, that they're perpetuating something that is resonating with a fair amount of people now again i think pending he falls asleep well, in his yeah, seat, I, I don't, well, let me let me stop election. i'm sorry let me stop you there though driz and, and ask you this question it is resonating but is it is it a chicken and an egg or a cart and a horse thing it's resonating but but is it resonating because this has been fox's playbook from summer of 2019 with biden or is it resonating because people are actually seeing cognitive failure in biden no, I think uh, to I think it's exactly the first one. It it is you know you hear something enough. I mean, Trump is a master of that. If you brand something enough, crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary, people will one hundred percent eventually believe. Certainly, the people you you know on your side will completely agree with whatever you're feeding them over and over and over. So again, nobody on the left believes you know kind of the just obvious rhetoric, but. There, you'll pluck a few people out of the center, and certainly your side believes it. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, outside of normal, uh, you know, speech flaws or something that you could listen to any episode of our podcast and hear me say the wrong word at 43 years old, outside of stuff like that that Joe Biden does, I don't think there's a whole lot of great clips of him, you know, like having a stroke or like looking like Mitch McConnell did at his press conference where he just lost his shit and, you know, went to the upside down. You know, he's going to say the wrong word. He's going to do what you did two minutes ago and say China instead of Japan, because we're all human and you're going to mince a word now and again when you've got a microphone in front of you. But yeah, as far as like, man, this guy looks like he should be in a home getting his diaper changed. Man, I just don't think that's the reality. But I think people right. do concern themselves with, but how will it look in five years right from now or four years? Maybe it's going to be worse. So that becomes a bit of a concern. Well, two things. Uh, one, thank you for listening to me because I actually didn't think you did that. So that's cool. I tried. And, and, and two, uh, yeah, perception becomes reality. 
right? Yeah. And, they, and they know that. And you're absolutely right about Trump. God bless Donald Trump or goddamn Donald Trump. But boy, when it comes to branding, there is no one better. And of course, now it's adult Joe. You don't even know crazy Joe, I guess he calls him. But yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it. Does it look like he should be committed to a nursing home with a diaper on? Not at all. Not in the least. I see him, you know, quite, uh, 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 you know, uh, um, the words escape me, but, you know, his sensibilities seem all there. He speaks well, but boy, oh boy, they've uh, glommed onto something that they just will not never, ever make a move back from. Yeah. And, and, you know, and people do buy it and certainly in central Kentucky here, but you don't have to go very far to, you know, hear somebody talking about, you know, Joe Biden, you know, what an idiot, you know, exactly all the stereotype things that we've already mentioned. So, yeah, I'd say you only have to go down to Berea Pond, don't you? <laughs> Man, we're really <laughs> killing one of our only two sponsors today. Don't, don't kill Aaron too bad. No, and, and to, to love be, you, Aaron. Love you, brother. <laughs> to be fair, I, you know, I, I don't think Aaron is a Biden guy, but he also did go on record as saying he would like to see somebody besides Trump get the nod. So hopefully, you know, that is still the case. And maybe he watched the debate. Well, and again, no disrespect to Aaron. And he is our, our most viable sponsor. But let's leave him out of it. Uh, my sister now is saying the same thing, Tristan. But I think you touched on it last week. Do they really mean it? <laughs> no. And I'll say that, you know, I, I, Trump gives people that love Trump a feeling. And they love that feeling. Now, I, and again, I think when you're looking at somebody like Aaron, who owns a gun store, look, his vote is a little self-preservation, probably more so than others. Most jobs, you can say, oh, well, you know, I need this or Joe Biden's that. I'm sure voting for a Democrat when you own a gun store doesn't make a lot of sense. I get that. Right. Completely. Now, that said, do I think over time Donald Trump is the best version of the conservative leader that we need. No. And I, I hope Aaron also feels that way. But I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump made Aaron feel good, just like he made, you know, my stepdad feel good. And a lot of people that never really even involved themselves in politics, like Donald Trump spoke to a lot of people that we see every day here in central Kentucky that people have never even really cared to, to reach out to. So I get the feeling that he gives them. I just hope it's, based on reality enough that they're getting you know what they expect so just expand on that feeling a little bit oh man because i know you've seen it with some family members and so forth so what was the feeling trump gave them that filled them with uh glee confidence whatever it was the, the only thing ray that i could kind of i guess maybe liken it to and you know as a white man i it, it's not for me to say, but I remember. Are you a white man? I don't see color, Tristan. I don't, you know, I don't know from, yeah. Sort I, of, I, I thought you were most Asian. Days, I, do I thought you were Asian until I went out to lunch with you. Then I figured out, oh, I know what he is. <laughs> real <laughs> mature, Ray, real mature. <laughs> no, go ahead. I digress. <laughs> and now that I have no idea what I was talking about. No, no I, I was asking so, you, what is that? What is that? What yeah. was it about Trump that made Aaron well, feel good? I'd it, love to know. There was a great Saturday Night Live skit of, you know, 8, 10, 12, whatever it was years ago when Barack Obama was elected president. And it was a game show skit and it had three black folks as the panel on the, you know, on the trivia game show. And it was kind of like, what would Barack Obama have to do as a black person for you to not vote for him? And it was very funny because it was an interesting take on probably, uh, you know, on Democrat politics, probably as a black person 
who's obviously had, at that time had never had an African-American president. Sure. So it would have taken a lot for somebody to say, you know, well, uh, I'm not blacks gonna... voted, you know, black folk voted 93 to seven for president Obama. So there you go. Yeah. So, and I think he tapped into something in rural communities in rural America uh, with folks with that same type of feeling. Now, if you're going to try and specifically say what that feeling is, maybe somebody that really is, listening to them or has their back now to me i think he's a new york huckster shyster like he's a billionaire in my mind i don't feel like he gives a shit about anybody but himself but he did tap into that with people that do believe that he cares about them deeply and genuinely i don't see it but he obviously did because there's people driving around with donald trump flags in their vehicle like and what that's that's love And what were the things that he said that tapped that root? That I don't know, man. I mean, other than the the, the grievance that we talk about a lot, I mean, I grievance. think he, he sort of tapped into, I mean, coming in after the first black president to, right. you know, to a lot of white people that probably had to do a lot of self-reflection at why they're still maybe in the bad spot they're in. And, you know, we've had somebody uh, lead the country as a black person. And there's certainly some racism still, you know, festering in some of these places. They still blame people that don't look like them. Look at, you know, all the anti-Mexican rhetoric that Donald Trump led with. And, you know, so I definitely feel like there's an element of he came along and started to tell you, it's okay that, you know, that you don't have a home and that you don't have a job because it's their fault and it's somebody else's fault and you are good enough and they're bad and we're going to figure that out and, you know, we're going to keep them out. And so, again, I don't think that it's necessarily a completely racist thing. And I know 99% of my Republican friends are not racist, but I definitely feel like he did tap into something with that grievance about they're bad, but you're still good no matter who you are and where you stand in society that people really liked. That's an answer. Okay. Well, that's cool. Cause I'm, it's, it's just a, it's just a, since politics are my hobby and I do spend, you know, a lot of time with it and, and I don't begrudge it cause it's, it's a hobby. I, I could be mo- building model airplanes or shooting guns, but I'm not politics is a hobby and it's transformed into this where we get together an hour a week and, and get to chat. And maybe there's a few people listening, but you know, for me, that is just the question of the ages. What, is it that Mr. Trump tapped into? And I, I and you just got a part of the answer. Um, but I am all ears when it comes to anybody's take on exactly what he tapped into. And because um, because I still don't think any of us can really say there's some unspoken things, perhaps there's some some of the history of the country, like you said, some of the things that you know, you wouldn't bring up perhaps in polite company. Um, you know what I'm saying? So some of the making you comfortable with views that, you know, in places like New York, San Francisco and Seattle would be very unwelcome. What I mean is more progressive places. Um, but it, it's 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 a really interesting thing, you know, and it goes back, Tristan, to where you and I find ourselves, like the intro of this show says, I grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey. You have a background in California. We both live between us now 60 years in in the hardest of the heartland, the, the H-E-A-R-T, not the hardest, H-A-R-D-E-S-T, mm-hmm. but the heart of the heartland. And we know so many fine people that pulled the uh, lever uh, for Trump. And, you know, it's just a head scratcher, man. It really just is still a mystery to me. 
Yeah. And again, I, I think it's more a feeling. I think it's more, I mean, people, when they want to be dicks, use the word cult. But I think if you were maybe just trying to be nice about it, I mean, it certainly gave a mass feeling of, uh, you know, of euphoria that people had not felt on the Republican uh, ticket in, in a while. They, again, I think Barack Obama it really excited a certain crowd of folks like, you know, black folks, but also uh, progressive folks and, you know, people that just wanted somebody different in there. And I think Donald Trump came with sort of that appeal, which is I'm completely different. Uh, you know, I'm saying a lot of things nobody's said before. I'm acting in a way that's not presidential, but it's not a way that you've ever seen before. Like, I'm different and I'm good. And he's good at branding. He's good at marketing. And he knows, you know, how to reach people. He, he, he's a charismatic human being. And so, I mean, he you know, just tapped into a lot of things that like a, a shoot, give me two seconds. A Ron DeSantis is never going to tap into. No, has the personality of a, you know, charming personality of a dish rag and literally zero charisma. But, you know, that's a great point you just made, Tristan. There were people back in 2007, 8, I remember it well. And one of those people was named John. One of those persons was John McCain, who were talking about the cult of personality that surrounded Barack Obama. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Game Change, which was more about um, um, Palin. Um, uh, what's the actor? I can picture the actress who, actress who played Palin. Did you ever see it? It was an HBO movie. No, Very good. Okay, it. so look, if, if you have access to HBO, look for um, Game Change. That was the name of it. And uh, Ed Harris plays McCain. No. Ed Harris, great actor. Yeah, Almost favors John McCain a little bit. And there's a scene where John McCain is with his advisors and they're watching Barack Obama in front of tens of thousands of, no other way to put it, adoring followers and fans. And I'm sure... You know, John McCain being the guy he was probably said this line or something darn close to it. They're watching, you know, kind of in rapt attention and they're showing the actual Obama speaking for about three minutes. And McCain turns to his advisors and says, Jesus Christ, if he heals a baby, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, because it was like that. Yeah, they we're looking at Obama like a cult of personality. So to be fair, the left had the same thing happen with Obama now. If I may, I don't think Obama took us to the dark places that Trump did. I don't think Obama appealed to some of what Trump did. But the cult of personalities were certainly in play with both men. Yeah. And and again, to the point, or at least the joke of the Saturday Night Live skit, I think folks that had never seen an um, American president look like them before would have probably hung on through a lot of negative press for, for Barack Obama. But and did. I, yes. And did. But yeah. I think most of us, those on the middle left or even maybe the middle center, you know, you're going to take a look if Barack Obama is arrested for mishandling documents. Look, it's we, you can't spend four years right. talking about Hillary right. Clinton right. mishandling emails. Right. And then, well, if our guy does, it doesn't really count, though, like right. them in the Mar-a-Lago bathroom. So, yeah, I, I, I again, I think one of the things that and again, maybe this is me breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. But it does feel like that we do look no, do at it, man. Do it. <laughs> we look at this <laughs> new information and say, you know, we even if you like or dislike Trump, or even if you like or dislike Biden, you have to be fluid based on new information. And that's where it feels like that 35, 40% is never changing their minds on Trump. And and they are, and we do have to get back to last night's debate and the rest of the candidates, because I am anxious for your take. But they are a marvelous bunch, and I guess, you know, the Supreme Leader has 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 uh, taught them well, uh, a marvelous bunch at turning things around, pointing fingers at you, reflecting the mirror 
back what about you know i know i am but what but what i know you are but what am i you know it's 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 everything (laughs) that the left uh puts on trump now comes back and gets put on by and to me the two men are not in any way comparable Uh, you know is hunter a fuck up yes we've said it for weeks on this show he's a shitheel joe had two sons one was everything you want in a son um you know military man attorney uh you know hunter just wasn't hunter took a different path in life okay you love him the same he's your son he's your flesh and blood but he caused you a lot of angst and that angst is being played out on the national scale doesn't mean that joe biden is involved in any way but god damn fox shore has him involved don't they yeah they, they've done a great job in yeah marketing bill clinton as roger clinton as the case may be i mean he's they're holding him accountable for everything Hunter's done. And you know what, Ray? I mean, this may be a situation that we learn down the road. Look, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe Joe Biden is partially involved in some of this. Now, with his long uh, career in politics, do I think he's probably too smart to have done that? Yeah, I really do. But look, I'm open to that information. If we do find out, look, there's documents or there's a video of him with a, an author saying, I'm not supposed to do this for Hunter. I know I do my Trump voice when I'm, you know, breaking the law. <laughs> but, you know, if he says, you know, that he's not supposed to do this, but he's sort of got Hunter's back on with China and he's trying to help him make some money, hold him freaking as accountable as you possibly can. Like, that's why we have the legal system. So but again, until that, it's really it's just hearsay and it's Hunter's problem. It's not a Joe Biden problem. I mean, that's what I look at right now. But yes, you're exactly right. If the problem is we're so damn uh, stratified, is that the word or or divided? You know, if Sean Hannity or uh, Greg Gutfeld or any of them, well, Gutfeld, you know, he does his own thing. But anybody who's sort of pseudo newsy tells you something about Biden, you're not going to. Now, if it comes from CNN or it comes from MSNBC, you know, I I would trust more of a uh, I hate to say, but, you know, less right-wing MAGA-driven source if if to actually believe. I don't know. I guess we're so polarized now that little of what comes out of Fox, I believe, and I'm sure, Aaron, little of what comes out of SNBC believes. But, you know, if, if the New York Times runs an article tomorrow that there's clear evidence Joe Biden traded on his position as vice president on behalf of his son, Hunter, I'm going to have a whole lot more respect for that than I am Sean Hannity talking about it, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with both sides. Look, double check your sources. We've obviously got plenty of misinformation on the left, and they're obviously getting plenty of misinformation on the right. I think the difference between a lot of people is you know, sometimes people will source and double check and triple check to, to make sure it's not just an internet meme. And then some people just love the information so much they're going to share it and not care if it's fake. So, but uh, with that said, Ray, I think on our uh, first uh, Zoom uh, podcast here, we're going to take a little commercial break. So if uh, folks will sit around, we'll, we'll be right back with more of this top quality content. Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. 
and welcome back and nothing makes me happier as ray will tell you than the sounds of our sponsors being uh, happily mentioned and that means tens of millions of dollars for me ray yes so very happy tens of that. millions <laughs> and we are so, go ahead we'll continue down your list max we should We've got half a dozen or, I don't know, four uh, uh, candidates to speak about from last night. We got a little sidetracked, as we do, yes. slightly off topic. Yeah, so I don't know how much uh, positive uh, information we got about Tim Scott, but uh, yeah, so that was Tim was last. I think we were both kind of fine with him. Don't know really if he's got the um, got the mean streak that so many of the MAGA folks need right now, but uh, let's start at the top, man. The number one guy that at least was on the stage last night, Ron DeSanctimonious, as Donald Trump calls him, Ron DeSantis. What did you think of his performance? Charm and personality of a dish rag, zero charisma, not going anywhere. He's not going to be. He's not going to be the nominee. Yeah, I think kind of the tricky thing with DeSantis, right, is like he's got all of the things uh, in his policies that the 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 liberal folks kind of would describe as evil, with none of the character and charm and charisma that Donald Trump has. So, like, if you like the worst of both worlds, Ron DeSantis is your guy, right? Right. Yeah, he's he's not going to be president of the United States. So, you know, move on. Yeah. And, and to see him try to to smile, you know, in the beginning of the debate, I mean, it just looked like the hardest thing he's ever done. And again, thank Ron DeSantis for his service. I think he's a fairly well decorated military guy, probably a pretty darn serious guy. But man, to just see him try to hold a smile was like, you know, watching somebody hold an ice cube on your neck. It was just like yeah and you know ugly and just no real social graces like he'd even thank them you know if you're on that stage you gotta thank you know thank you martha thank you brett thank to thank you to the fox network for putting this on he just just very robo robotic he goes into his speak now just um just no charisma you can't get elected president in 2024 within the united states without some charisma yeah. vivek ramaswamy a yeah. lot of charisma yeah, I agree. And, and I think the, the deal to before we completely close out on DeSantis, I think people people do genuinely, uh, you know, a lot of folks on the right want a good alternative to Donald Trump. And I think there was high hopes for DeSantis. I think a lot right. of people kind of hoped he would kind of catch on. But man, just the the trolling from Donald Trump, you know, flying the the plane that says pretend to be normal Ron or or whatever. It's yeah. like every week Trump's fly, flying a plane over, you know, somewhere in Florida that's like, you know, and and plus the thing with DeSantis, there's so many uh, you know, he's had so many, I don't guess faux pas not the right word, but like leaks from his campaign and folks saying, you know, his debate strategy was leaked in advance of the debate. So he was going to look like an idiot if he followed it. And sort of, if he didn't, he would look like an idiot too. It was kind of a, a lose, lose. It just feels like he's not surrounded by good people. I think he fired his entire campaign staff recently. So yeah, just not, not entire, but like 40%. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been a terrible run for the presidency. It just has, and he's not going to be president. I don't believe he'll be the party nominee. So, you know, move to your next candidate. Yeah, no doubt. So, and I guess we will also move to our next candidate. And I think we're, we're both probably chomping at the bit to talk about Vivek Ramaswamy. And I don't know if I said that right. I'll listen back in two years and go, well, I really butchered that. But Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, young guy, 38 years old, man, you got to have some good takes on him. Well, I mean, I think he's he's a great 30 second soundbite individual. I don't think he's got any depth at all. I mean, he's on, you know, everybody wants to pick on Biden 
And in me, it's in my mind, that's ageism. Well, I'll do a little reverse ageism. I think he's too fucking young. I don't think he's got an ounce of depth in him. I think he makes a wonderful soundbite and he can be, uh, um, you know, feisty and he can put the gloves up. Do you want him running the country? I don't. Same. Yeah, I don't I don't love the idea. And hopefully this will change with time. But as somebody that's 43, man, I'm just, you know, I'm on the barely tip end cusp of being a mature adult and the thought of a 38 year old, somebody five years younger than me with their hand on the button. I don't love that. I'd like to see somebody in their good solidly in their fifties or older sort of take that, uh, take that type of responsibility. Maybe that's seen a little bit more, you know, than I have. So yeah, that is ageism, but he's a bit too young for me too. And, and to that, there's probably some really mature level headed 38 year olds. He doesn't really come off as like, the most level-headed, well, calm guy. I think, Trisden, he is Trump 2.0. I think Vivek, it's Vivek or Vivek Ramaswamy. He is uh, positioning himself to be Trump's vice president. Trump loves him. Trump says nothing but has nothing but accolades to say about him. But here's the dirty little part that occurred to me. This is an opportunist, Mr. Ramaswamy. And opportunists, while often without a whole lot of depth, they make those opportunities work. So let's just say in some wild, crazy, hypothetical world that one of these indictments sticks, Trump is sentenced to four months. And those four months are over the course of the election. And people say, fuck, we really can't vote for a guy who's sitting in a jail cell. I think Vivek sticks his hand up and says, hey, I'll be your sub. I'll be your substitute. I can be the guy. I'll be Trump. I mean, that, that's what I see. Uh, setting himself up to be Trump's VP or to fill a void if need be, if Donnie can't make the, you know, can't can't answer the bell. Yeah. And that's such a phenomenal point about him being an opportunist and sort of, uh, you know, trying to be Trump 2.0. But you definitely see that. I mean, he really is that sort of talking over people and very challenging and sort of came in really hot and strong. Uh, it did feel like, you know, the crowd really liked him during the debate. I felt like uh, they were behind him quite a bit. It did feel like uh, when people started going after him, then he kind of, he faded a bit uh, from some of the things he was saying. I thought his anti-Ukraine stance was pretty controversial. It did feel like, and I was happy to see it during the debate, the debate that most of the uh, Republican crowd still seemed to be pro-Ukraine and anti-Russia. So right. there, there were some boos when he was kind of like, fuck Ukraine. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So I was pretty happy about that. I'm glad to know the Republican Party isn't like, you know, we're team Putin now. So right. yeah, I, I think that's something that he's going to have to he's going to have to deal with. I, I don't know that. I mean, certainly to me, he's not electable. And I think he falls into that Donald Trump really not electable nationally unless, you know, you look at extenuating circumstances or third party. But uh well spoken, right. uh, you know, certainly plays the Donald Trump game pretty well. To your point, does yes. uh, did, did you hear what Christie said to him? I thought that was pretty funny. Which was he called him like I, I didn't get the reference. Oh, chat bot, chat bot, or whatever. Yeah, that was that was yeah, yeah, chat bot or whatever it is. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, so I, I think uh, yeah, uh, Christie went after him, which a lot of people well, went after him. I guess he's kind of the guy, right? Like it's. Trump decided. Yeah, he's, he's, he seems to he, he seems to be uh, rising in the polls. To Aaron's credit, he had mentioned him actually the last time that uh, he was on. Um, so he's saying the right things to to the people who were supporters of Trump. Um, you know, we, we don't need any bit of green uh, uh, concerns. Let's just go 
drill and frack and burn oil. Okay, that's a that's a message that MAGA likes. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolutely yeah. fucking insane message, but it's a message that MAGA likes. Boy, and I tell you what, uh, and even in the beginning of the debate, like there was a pretty early question about um, about uh, climate change, and it was directed at DeSantis, and he basically said. Let's none of us raise our hands and answer this question and then started talking about something else. Right. Did you see that? That was yeah. an odd moment. Well, I don't know that I've ever seen that in a debate before. Right. And I don't know if they had more of those questions scheduled and punted after that. But that was a young that was a young person, uh, early 20s, who's, yeah. who's uh, a self-identified Republican wondering about tech, you know, wondering about fossil fuels and such. Because if you're in your early 20s and you think you're going to live another 60 years, uh, so what does that bring us up to? Almost the year 2100, the, the earth is going to look different, right? It's going to look different. It's in the infancy now of the movement away from fossil fuels. That movement isn't going to stop. So to stand, nor should it, nor should it, because you know my line, Tristan, five or Three, four, five hundred years from now, humans are going to look back and they're going to say they're going to look back at our era now as we look back at the Middle Ages and we say they bled people. What do you right. mean they bled people? Didn't they know they were killing them? What kind of idiots bled people? People 300 years down the road are going to say they burned fossil fuels for how long? 200 years? Didn't they know the damage they were doing to the planet? Yeah, they knew. It just took them a long time to get out of it. So that change is happening. And to stand on a stage in 2023 where you need some young people to vote for you and say drill, frack, and fuck green uh, technologies is not a winning message. Sorry, Vivek. And you're the young guy, right? You're the young guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not a message that appeals to any of the 20-year-olds that I work with, both conservative and liberal. Yeah, and it does feel like that was one of those messages as the young guy on the stage that maybe he should have peeled back a little bit maybe from the, you know, the far right base and said, look, you know, what we do on this planet does matter. And I think moving, uh, segueing right along into the next uh, candidate that I had on here, I thought Nikki Haley was the only person that really handled that question like a, a grown up. Her response, which was something to the effect of, and again, paraphrasing, it would be naive to feel like the things we do to our planet doesn't matter. So, of course, we have to pay attention, but we have to weigh that with jobs and we have to weigh that with society. And we can't allow basically India and China to completely, you know, pollute at will where we're the only ones being the good guys. So then, you know, we're hurting. Which is untrue, which which actually is not true. Now, you're never going to hear that from the right. So so two things about that. One is, well, if America is the greatest country in the world, the land of the free and the home of the brave, then we got to be the lead. So we've got to show the way to the rest of the world. But there's a lot of green technology being developed in China. Don't for a minute think that there's not because the Chinese are smart. They know what the future is. It's not. Are there are there uh, fired? Are there fuel fired uh, uh, refineries there? And and uh, do they derive a lot of their electric from still from from uh, coal? Yeah, they do. Just like we do here. But they're making changes. They're not. They're very, very bright people. They see what the future is. India is a little more of a wild card because they're trying to build a middle class. And, you know, they don't have the um, quite the means that China does. But, you know, be a leader on that. So uh, does it make a lot of sense to say, well, these these two aren't doing it, so we're not going to do it either. Fuck no. Be the leader. You know, give Elon Musk some credit. He was the guy who said, we're going to get these EV cars, and, and now they're viable not only here, but also in China and, and India. 
Yeah. So good point. But I guess maybe I'm just setting my bar so low that I was impressed that on a Republican primary debate stage, we had uh, somebody say, yes, it is real. Yes, it is something that we're going to have to concern ourselves with. So, you know, she can follow up with the, you know, China, what about ism with China? What, what about ism with India? But I mean, it's a step in the right direction, right? That at least she's saying she's not putting her head in the stand and sand and just pretending that nothing we do on the planet matters when very obviously it does. I think Nikki Haley was the adult. I think her along with Pence were the two adults. You know, Christie's a bomb thrower. He's there to jab at Trump and it's fun to watch. But, you know, you, you saw what happened to him. He was almost booed off the stage. The moderator had to interject and ask for calm and ask for politeness. So Christie's fun to watch. He's not going to be the nominee. Mike Pence is a serious man. As you and I have talked about a thousand times, probably agree with nothing politically, but you know where he's coming from. He's a man of faith. He's never going to waver from that. You know, I would much rather have somebody um, talk to me who I disagreed with, but I knew where they were coming from than to just bullshit me. And Mike Pence is never going to bullshit you. He is who he is, right? Love him or hate him. He's who he is. He's going to do the right thing. Problem, the way I see it for Mike Pence is, Mike, Mr. Vice President, how did you attach yourself to someone as amoral as Donald Trump? And to me, on the national scale, it's just, you know, in a general election, that is a yoke that he has to carry. And it's an anchor that is just going to weigh him down. And, you know, maybe at night when he's with his wife in the quiet of their bedroom, he says, boy, I, I really did screw up putting any faith in that man because it kind of ended my career because as you and I have said I'd be perfectly comfortable with Mike Pence as president I wouldn't vote for him I wouldn't agree with much of what he says but I'd trust him to do the right thing yeah I think if nothing else he proved that you know to the detriment at least of you know uh Donald Trump his president that he was willing to stand at you know in the most important moment in my mind of his political career and say, I'm going to choose the constitution over, you know, what Donald Trump wants. Now there may have not been a good road for him to do that. And and rumor was he did consider, you know, trying to do that uh, with passing the vote basically back to the house, but no good for him. I thought also uh, Mike Pence impressed me last night in that he was a little bit more, I think he kind of gets sort of pigeonholed as like this kind of quiet, semi-nice, you know, super Christian, uh, religious politician, but, you know, he was a little bit more, uh, animated and active and kind of getting in, uh, uh, in the debate last night than maybe I've seen or expected. And maybe he had to do that because, you know, kind of maybe to show that he's not the most boring human being on the face of the earth. But I actually thought, you know, he kind of went in there with, I had very little, uh, hopes or expectations for him and definitely exceeded my thoughts on how he was going to act and, and handle the debate. I felt like he was pretty well prepared. And, and to your point, I wouldn't, uh, you know, barring a normal Democrat candidate, I probably wouldn't vote for Pence. But again, I, I think he's one of those guys that you put in there and you don't worry that he's, you know, trying to make a deal to sell China a hotel and doesn't care about American law. Like you do feel like he's going to be a normal far right Republican president. And his stance on abortion, it kills him. He's never going to be elected president of the United States with his stance on abortion. But you know what, Tristan? I give him all due respect on that. I don't think for a minute that he... I 
I mean, Mike Pence comes across as preachy because his adult life has been spent in evangelical churches and, you know, preaching is a big part of his life. And so, you know, he obviously has been greatly influenced by it. Um, but I believe he comes to that decision from a place of genuine interest in life, that, that he is not um, on a soapbox trying to make a point. He, I, I mean, that wonderful passage that he read, you know, I, I, I knew you before you were born. Mike Pence believes that. He genuinely believes that with his entire heart. I don't, I don't agree. Uh, there has to be room made in the Republican Party for choice as relates abortion, or they're going to lose election after election. It's been proven in places like our home state of Kentucky and in Kansas and two weeks back in Ohio. It's an issue that is a terrible issue for Republicans. And Mike Pence will not waver one iota on it. Thereby, he will never be president of the United States. But I sit no judgment on him for that. I don't think he's a bad person for that. In fact, I give him a lot of credit for it. And he'll he'll go down with the ship. He'll never be elected president. But he's not going to waver. He's not going to find any. He's not going to look for any mediation on that issue. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's so rare these days to see somebody who exactly. isn't completely exactly. open to interpretation and ready to change based on the whims of the country. So, yeah, I think the days of telling women that, you know, you've been raped and we're forcing you to raise that baby. I think those days are done if women can vote their way out of that and good for them. Um, you know, I think even, you know, our far right friends have to understand, like, there's got to be some pretty substantial um options for women uh to to have abortions even though you know i'm sure most people would agree with you and me ray that under any normal circumstance if we can avoid an abortion we you know we should right or like we hope uh, safe legal and rare right but at the same time like it's it's not our call to make as fucking white men anyway like this is something that the women are going to have to vote and and figure out and you know these are the rights they're going to have to be accountable and vote and, and get people in office that are going to make sure if they're fucking gang raped, that they don't have to deliver a baby nine months later because of some outdated draconian laws. Right. Yeah. Safe, legal, rare. That was a Bill Clinton line. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't see how you can, you know, that's an issue that you it's almost impossible to compromise on. But to me, that's about the only compromise. So I think that leaves us with Nikki Haley, who I think head and shoulders quote unquote, won that debate. Um, she's again, seemed like the adult in the room. Yeah. I, I will say this uh, uh, first on, on Pence, just real quick. I thought it was fascinating that he, they, the crowd kind of let Pence get away with sort of talking about Trump being anti-constitution when he asked him to do that. Like it, it felt like uh, he, he could be pretty negative with Trump and didn't get the booze that Christie got. And I, I, I was just, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Fascinating I mean, I, I, what I saw Mike Pence say, you know, in that sort of um, and, and, you know, I just said all those things lauding Mr. Pence. And I hope I don't sound um, like I'm backtracking here uh, when he takes on that sort of preacher role. I think it's genuine. I hope it's not a character he's playing. But what I heard him say towards the end of that debate, you know, in that very um, in that very sort of stoic uh, comes from the comes from the gut, comes from the heart way was that. This president, our president, asked me to disavow the Constitution, and I took an oath and couldn't do that. Um, that's what I heard him say. And to your point, yeah. they didn't really boo that line. They kind of are like, you know, that is sort of what Trump did, isn't it? You know, I yeah. think. But I, I, I did. I just one of the things I found 
found pretty fascinating was the, you know, man, they weren't letting Christie say anything that was, you know, even bordering on negative to Trump. So they've just sort of decided Chris Christie is not on our team is kind of right. how the MAGA folks are. But uh, yeah, right. I think maybe like Mike Pence being in the administration, I guess, gets a little leeway. So I was just I think that's right. By that. So I think maybe he's the one person on that stage that gets away with saying, look, no, we do have to be real about it. And it's nice to see, even though, again, he's probably the farthest right person uh, traditionally on the stage. Right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And and again, Tristan, I'm not going to vote for Mike Pence, but I and he is the furthest traditional right wing, which is a way of saying he's a Ronald Reagan conservative. And uh, I, I'm not voting for him, but I would be very comfortable if he were in the Oval Office. He's an intelligent man. He knows he knows uh, international politics. He knows the military. He's proven he'll do the right thing. Fair enough. Um, yeah, he is the he is the most true conservative on that stage. So yeah. we're left with Nikki Haley, who I thought comported herself very well. Yeah. You know, she seemed like her, her and Pence seemed like the two adults. But, you know, Pence probably isn't going to be able to get that nomination, which at least as of yesterday left Nikki. Yeah. And hopefully I've got an email into Mike Pence's cousin, who's a comedian about coming on to do the show. So I do hope that we may be able to work that out pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, Mike I, Pence's I, I, cousin is a Mike comedian. Pence's cousin He's hilarious, by the way. Very funny. Um, so yeah, I'd love wow. to, and he's also very anti Mike Pence, uh, for president. He's kind of a liberal guy. So interesting takes from knowing Mike, you know, Thanksgiving every year, but yeah, it was fast. That's funny. But yeah, Nikki Haley. I mean, I was very impressed. Mike, pass the fucking potatoes. What did you say? Oh, please pass the potatoes, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> but, but yeah, but Nikki, man, she, she did look like a, a very electable, a nationally electable candidate and. Again, you wonder if she's going to say ludicrous, outlandish, crazy things like the things people do on the earth matters. I don't know if she's uh, electable in a Republican primary, certainly electable nationally, I think. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You got to get past the whack jobs and MAGA to get yourself right. to a general, you know. But but that's not just the whack jobs and MAGA. You've also you you know Richard Nixon fifty years ago or more said you primary to the right and you general to the middle, you know, which is to say, you know, you have to appease the base and the run up to the nomination. Once you're the nominee, then you moderate your positions a bit. And I think Vic, uh, uh, Nikki Haley certainly could do the moderate for the general if she can keep the MAGA people who knows because if you heard her last night Tristan she actually didn't do the Trump good Biden bad Trump good Biden bad nonsense that so many of the rest of them do right. she actually pointed out that the Trump Pence uh, for the four years of Trump Pence more money was spent than any other four years in presidential history now to be fair to Trump and Pence a big chunk of that was COVID money so I'm not going to just totally shit on but him. she did but actually make very, a differential in that and say that the, the like a 2.5 trillion dollar hunk was completely pre-COVID which I thought yes. was a nice addendum to that well that's exactly right the, the, there was very little fiscal responsibility in the Trump years it's Donald Trump for Christ's sakes has he ever shown fiscal responsibility give him a, <laughs> a, give him a money to piss away and burn he'll Not find a way to it. piss away and burn it right. and you know Nikki Haley made that point and kudos to her I thought she seemed like the adult I thought she's very electable um you know would I look at her if she's running against Biden? Perhaps I would. Yeah, I, I definitely think probably more so uh, than anybody else on the stage for me, with the yes. exception of maybe Christie, who I do still like Chris Christie, although he's not getting out of that field. 
Uh, yeah, Nikki Haley. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like she's the type of candidate to me who who John McCain was. You you bring her in, see who she brings in as a VP, see what she says in that, and certainly would consider uh, pulling a lever for her in November. Yeah, yeah, no, she uh, she was she comported herself very well, and you know, so you'll have to, and you watch this kind of stuff much more than I do. You'll have. To to see who has, you know, online fundraising uh, raise, who sees their online fundraising numbers up, who is generating buzz. And I, I would think it would be Vivek just because of his charisma, which he does have. And he said the, he threw the red meat to MAGA. So they're going to love that. Yeah. And Nikki Haley, yeah. because she seems like an adult. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's just a great point. And and she tried to modify. I think she tried to modify her position on abortion. Very, very difficult to do. As I said, it's basically a cause, uh, basically a uh, an issue with with almost no mediation, almost no compromise. But she said, look, we have to stop demonizing women and we have to humanize women. Bingo. Fair. You know. Yeah, so I, I like Nikki as well, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how how she continues on uh, with the race. So yeah, and I guess that's pretty much got us. Uh, we covered them all, brother, and I guess we probably have to get going. Yeah, and, and I brought something that maybe we can look at playing next week, but it was kind of on the two tier justice system. I'd send it to you as a TikTok video, but uh, yeah. Oh, I, that was great. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to play it today, or you want to bring it to next week? I've got it queued up. If you want, uh, how long is it? Oh, man, it's probably a minute. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. All right, here we yeah. go. So so this is, again, on the heels of everybody now, certainly far-right folks, saying that the justice system is biased. Basically, Democrats get away with whatever while Republicans don't. So this is right. a, a, this is a, a clip from, from TikTok. Here we go. Correct. Uh, that's my recollection. Trump donor Elliot Brady was convicted in a federal court, Correct. Also, my recollection. The attorney general at the time for those two convictions was Bill Barr. Which president nominated Bill Barr for attorney general? Uh, president Trump. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, was convicted on two separate occasions in a federal court, correct? Uh, I believe that's correct. The attorney general at the time for Cohen's second conviction was Matthew Whitaker. Which president appointed Matthew Whitaker as acting attorney general? Uh, President Trump. Trump's foreign campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted in a federal court, correct? Yes. Trump's former deputy campaign manager, Mr. Gates, was convicted in a federal court, correct? That's my recollection. Trump's campaign foreign policy advisor, George Papadopoulos, was convicted in a federal court, correct? Uh, yes, I think he, yeah, he pled guilty, yes. The attorney general at the time of those three cases was Jeff Sessions. Which president nominated Jeff Sessions for attorney general? President Trump. You were the FBI director for all of those cases at the time. Which president nominated you? President Trump. Okay. What these facts show is we don't have a two-tiered system of justice. We have one Department of Justice that goes after criminals regardless of party ideology. All of these folks were convicted under the administrations of three separate Republican attorneys general. It is not the fault of the FBI that Donald Trump surrounded himself with criminals. Donald Trump brought that upon himself. Thank you to the FBI for exposing the cesspool of corruption of these Trump associates. Trump. Okay, so that's pretty much it. And that was uh, Ted Lieu 
uh, congressman from California, right, California questioning uh, Christopher Ray, the FBI director. Right. So, man, and, and again, we probably could have a whole show on that, but I just I like that because people want to I, I don't like the I don't like hearing that we have a two tier justice system because I feel like we do. But it's rich people versus poor people that see two different sides of justice. So nothing at all versus like, you know, there's so many Republican appointed folks in in federal and state government. I mean, I just think it's idiotic to feel like you're persecuted as a Republican in this country. It's like saying you're persecuted. It's ridiculous. Christian. Yeah. Just right. Yeah. And again, it's it's crazy town. It's just it's just plain silly. Yeah. Yeah. So and again, because there's something because there's so much proof to the contrary. That's where it gets silly. And I remember sending a list to my sister of the Democratic uh, politicians who went to jail. Dan Rostenkowski and Blagoga. Oh, yeah. I'd always butcher it. Yes. Thank you. And on and on and on. Jesse Jackson's son, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Went to jail as a dirty politician. Yeah. So don't be a crook. Don't go to jail. Doesn't matter what letters by your name. Yeah. Mike Pence, never going to go to jail for that kind of shenanigans. Right. No. Yeah. He found some documents uh, that he shouldn't have had turned himself in. That's what Mike Pence did. Same thing Joe Biden did. So I think you've got similar uh, moral values there for the most part. So, um, and yeah, I guess that's uh, certainly, I would guess over an hour, it's probably time to to wrap it up and okay quick joke brought to you by dad's morning a dad, what's that? i'm sorry yeah i said probably time for us to go to the bathroom as old guys i really do have to a dad joke from the good the bad the terrible brought to you by dad's flooring i love this i bet you could get this okay i say that but no it's tough on the spot trisden how do you fix a broken pumpkin how do you fix a broken pumpkin uh something to do with a jack a lantern that's not bad but i don't a pumpkin with a pumpkin patch oh that's pretty good yeah yeah i went the car route yeah pretty good yes yes yes. you want one more you want one more quickie oh yeah we gotta have two why do seagulls fly over the sea i don't know because if they flew over the bay they'd be bagels oh or bagels and i would eat them because yes delicious is that an homage to your jewish heritage yeah, you know what? I just over time found so many Jewish stereotypes about myself that are true. Yeah, I love Chinese food. I'm a big bagel guy. So yeah, I mean, it's that's probably more of a new Chinese. Jewish I didn't thing. even know that Chinese food. Like Jewish people are known for eating Chinese food. Yeah, that's a thing. Hmm. One of the stereotypes. I, you hey, know, you like, know what the name of that restaurant should be? So oh, no. me. Here we go. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> a Chinese Asian place called So Sumi. Nice. So this. <laughs> This racism brought to you by Dad's Flooring that's Studios. That's not racist. That's funny. Come on. <laughs> Troy. That's not bad. Is Troy at Front Porch Studios. Tony, we <laughs> Foxy. Our buddy, uh, Aaron, who always, for whatever reason, takes uh, your worst comments from Berea Pond. We do appreciate him sticking up. Uh, we love you, Aaron. Uh, Buckshotandled.com. If you're not in listening area, listening area, and you'd like to take advantage of some of what Berea Pond has to offer. Nate with Stoveleg Media and, the, of course, the Rational Boomer Podcast. Mike. And uh, yeah, Ray, what I did, I put together kind of a hybrid joke list today. It's not a top 10 list. It's kind of like uh, my future uh, future headline segment and a top nine list. And so okay. what, what the list is, I did look into the uh, crystal ball that I have to tell the future uh, with future headlines to come up with a top 10 list of how the Republican candidates that were on stage last night will end their bid for president. 
So I've looked into the future nice. and uh, yeah, we'll start with number nine, uh, how they end their presidential bids. Number nine, Asa Hutchinson disqualified after Republican base realizes he's sane. Nice. Makes sense. So he's done. Uh, Chris Christie. Chris Christie loses base support after arguing in public that Donald Trump isn't Jesus Christ. There you go. People get really mad when he's not Jesus Christ. Uh, number seven, Doug Burgum drops out of the race after being forced to take a position on any political issue. <laughs> he refuses. He would rather drop out. Number six, Ron DeSantis forced to leave the race when he couldn't prove that he's human. Yes. I want to see his birth certificate, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy drops out after the Republican base determines he looks like he ain't from around here. <laughs> he looks a little different. Uh, number four, Mike Pence ends his campaign after being called to be a youth pastor in a small Baptist church in Indiana. That's perfect. Yeah. And, I, and all these things are true. I've looked into the future. Uh, number three, Tim Scott is forced out of the race after a video surfaces of him taking the vaccine. <laughs> uh, number two, after a strong campaign, Nikki Haley leaves the race after realizing she's female and therefore too similar to Hillary Clinton to govern effectively. Absolutely. They both have vaginas. And number one, Donald Trump, who wasn't on stage, but this is how it ends up for him, uh, wins again and governs from prison. Yes, there you go. That would be that would be very cool to watch. As I say, the next several months will be most entertaining. Entertaining, if nothing else, and maybe literally if nothing else. Yeah. All, All right, right Triz, we did it again, man. I appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners. <laughs> off to the bathroom. Have a great and week. off to the bathroom. <laughs> and I will see you in a week, my friend. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.